How can I take care of my mental and emotional health? Are there ways to avoid seasonal depression? What treatment options, vitamins, and habits can help me? All that and more on this episode of The Healthiest You. With the holidays around the corner, it can stir up a lot of thoughts and emotions for people, some of which are not so merry. Stress, though, the winter blues, worry, and loneliness are common emotions felt this time of year. Steph, that is absolutely correct. And while a holiday Hallmark movie full of romance and magic may help you escape some of those feelings, you know, temporarily, it's not going to make them go away. It's important to take care of yourself and not neglect how you're feeling. Here to talk about how to care for your mental and emotional health is Dr. Susan Wiley, psychiatrist and co-founder of Lehigh Valley Health Network Center for Mindfulness, and Dr. Kelly Strickler, family medicine physician with LVPG Family Medicine. Dr. Wiley and Dr. Strickler, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, we're glad you're here, Dr. Wiley. Let's get right into it. What's the difference between mental health and emotional health, and how are the two connected? So mental health is a complex uh, idea. It includes emotional well-being, psychological well-being, physical health, social, and behavioral health, how, how you behave. Emotional health is a subset of that concept, and it's a general term describing what we might call successful emotional regulation. Someone who's emotionally healthy is infrequently overcome by painful emotions. I like to use the word resilience to describe this. I think it's an idea that we all can understand. Resilience is the speed with which we recover from a challenge and bounce back. You know, those punch dolls that you punch and they bounce back up? Mm -hmm. That's an image that I like to associate with resilience. Resilience is an important part of mental health. Other aspects of mental health include coping strategies, normal mental functions such as concentration, attention, healthy sleep or sleep rhythm. It includes healthy interpersonal relationships and healthy behavior, too. There's a lot that could be said about each of these elements of mental health. Mental health is a really broad topic. It's impacted by childhood adverse events, trauma, and genetics and other factors. It's possible to be mentally ill and still have good emotional health or resilience. Wow, that's very interesting. I I didn't put that together. Um, The holiday season can easily become more stressful and less joyful if we aren't mindful. You're trying to find perfect gifts. You're overspending, traveling, and hosting guests. There are decisions to make and, of course, a lot of things to do. So how can I remember to take care of my mental and emotional health? Great question. Uh, First, let's explain what we mean by mindful. We hear that word an awful lot. And what does it actually mean? So mindfulness is an innate human capacity. That means we're born with the capacity to be mindful. And what is that? It's simply the capacity to pay attention to the present moment with an attitude of relaxed curiosity. So what is happening here? You might ask yourself, what is happening here? During the holidays, we are so busy uh, with all of the tasks that it includes, we forget to enjoy all the delightful moments that the holidays can afford. During these times, and really any time, it's helpful to take an intentional pause from the activity, from this usual fast pace of rushing. And it's not only pausing from the physical activities of shopping and cooking and wrapping and so forth, 
but also to take a pause from the mental activities of planning and problem solving and fixing and worrying and anticipating. So when you take a pause from doing, you can actually shift right just into being. And you can relax and really what I like to say, savor the pleasant moments that are right here before you. So the first self-care strategy is to remember to pause. It's easy to pause, but it's hard to remember to pause. So it's helpful to have some reminders. Maybe you put a note on the fridge or the bathroom mirror or you arrange with a friend to remind each other. But the idea is to pause and relax. Doctor, I got some questions for you. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What are some mindfulness practices I can start doing? And and could you guide us through an exercise? Ooh. Oh, sure. I'd love to do that. So first, um, you know, we can be mindful anytime. We can just be mindful in our usual life. So we have opportunities to be mindful uh, when we're brewing our coffee, when we're booting up the computer, when we walk from the parking lot to our office, or when we arrive at home before we go into the house. We can take a pause and relax. And just ask ourselves, what is happening right now? We can take a moment to be mindful. But I'd be happy to walk you through an exercise just like that. Would you like that? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So the guidelines are pausing and relaxing. So first, let's just, we'll take just about three minutes to do this. Uh, Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, just, it's nice to sit down, but you can do it standing up. You can do it laying down, any position. And the first invitation is to pause. So stopping what you're doing in your physical activities and inviting the mind to relax. Stopping what you're thinking, all of those thoughts, all of those planning and rehearsing thoughts that we all have, commentary, relaxing the mind as well. And it's often helpful to pay attention to the body. So just noticing what sensations you might have in your feet. I know you don't often give attention to your feet, but there actually are sensations in your feet. Have you paid attention to that? So paying attention to the sensations in our feet gives us a sense of being grounded. So you might notice tingling, the pressure, or temperature, or you might notice nothing at all, and that's perfectly okay, too. And then let your attention shift to your legs, and notice whatever sensations you have in your legs, your knees. Maybe there's discomfort in your knees or tightness in your calves. Again, there could be no sensation at all. Just the practice of turning your attention So what is here now in the sensations in the body is what we're doing. Let's move our attention to the buttocks where you're sitting, the weight of your body in the chair or the cushion, feeling the weight of your body, the sensations of touch, noticing what's there, what is it like, what's the quality of that pressure, noticing that the top of your thighs don't have pressure, but the bottoms of your thighs where you're sitting do. 
and then moving your attention to your belly. You might notice fullness or emptiness, gas or fluids. You might notice that your breath is moving in your body. So you can just notice. You don't have to change your breath in any way. Just notice the breath moving in and out. You might notice other sensations in the belly. Or moving your attention now to the back and the chest. Just noticing if you feel any tightness or looseness in the body. The shoulders. Just what's the sensation like? And you might notice yourself telling a whole story about why your shoulders are tight. Just letting go of the story and staying with just the sensation. And bringing your attention now to the front of the chest, where the heart is. Noticing if there's any feelings there. And you might notice feeling joyful or sorrow or fear. Just noticing your feelings, having a moment of intimacy with your own feeling heart. And then shifting your attention again to your head, your face, the scalp, the muscles around the eyes, the forehead. So we scan through the body, and now you can actually expand your attention to include everything in the body from the crown of your head all the way to the soles of your feet. Just noticing what sensation is like in this moment. This is pausing, inviting in relaxation, aware of the body, and then shifting your attention to the breath just for a moment, following the breath just as it is. When you're breathing in, knowing when you're breathing in, and when you're breathing out, knowing you're breathing out. Allowing yourself to be fully here with nothing else to accomplish, just to attend to the movement of the breath in the body. Breathing in and breathing out. And now expanding your attention again to include all of the sensations in your body from the crown of your head all the way to your soles of your feet, including the sensation of breathing. And just resting here for a moment. Noticing if you've cultivated any sense of ease in the body or the mind. And just appreciating that, that this is possible, even in these busy lives of ours, anytime we can drop in and give ourselves a few moments of mindfulness. <sighs> I have to tell you. Maybe I have a pillow. <laughs> your voice and your delivery. I'm telling you right I, um, I, I was feeling all those things. Uh, what stuck out for me was uh, my feet felt, you know, cold and tingly. And I also mm-hmm. noticed in my face that my um, my teeth were clenched. I'm like, what? Why is my mouth so you know like tight or whatever? But I have to say, mm-hmm. thank you for taking us through that exercise. We really felt it. It was amazing. That's great. Um, great. Slowing down and and being present, of course, is important. 
Uh, but we live in a world with so many things competing for our attention. So what are some ways to embrace a slower pace and prioritize emotional wellness? So your, your question, the answer is in your question because, uh, you know, we have to make emotional wellness a priority rather than rushing through our to-do lists. And, you know, we all know how satisfying it is to check things off a list. So it's really difficult to make our emotional wellness and our health a priority, especially at this time of year when our to-do list seems ever so much longer than usual. And yet, if we want to feel well, we do need to make our wellness a priority. And that means setting aside time to relax and to move through through our lives at a slower pace. Simply slowing down can be helpful. How radical is it if we could just decide to do only one thing at a time Mm -hmm. rather than multitasking and doing several things at a time. So even slowing down and doing one thing at a time can make a difference. But it really does require deciding that our health and well-being is a priority and that we make the time to take care of ourselves. Uh, Dr. Wiley, I hear having an attitude of gratitude can be a mood booster. But what are some practical tips to make that happen? And how do you practice gratitude? Well, some people uh, keep a gratitude journal, which I think is a great idea. Another possibility is just when your eyes open in the morning before you even get out of bed, to think of one thing that makes you feel grateful. You can also practice this at bedtime, uh, just before you turn out the light or after you turn out the light just to touch into some recollection of how fortunate we are to be alive, to have people around that we love and that love us. So simply remembering to be grateful uh, is a great practice. I can guide you through a gratitude practice. Would you like that? Yeah, sure. So, We could think about the last meal you ate. Everybody had a meal, and it's not too long ago so that you can remember. Just think about the last meal you ate. And have you paused to consider all of the factors that contributed to the food that you have to eat? So someone prepared the food. Yeah, maybe that was you. But somebody grew the food somewhere in the world. Somebody planted it in the ground, watched it grow, took care of it, cultivated it, cut it, harvested it, packaged it, shipped it. Somebody, when it arrived in boxes, put it on the shelves of this grocery store. Somebody in the grocery store removed all the foods that were out of date and put in the foods that are within the date. Someone rang it up at the cashier, or usually. So all of these people, and none of this could have happened without the soil and the rain and the seeds and the know-how. Where did all of this come from? And all the people that you depend upon to get 
this food to your table, they also depend on people. So when you pause to savor your food, your next meal, think of all the hands that have contributed to your enjoyment of this food and to make it possible that this food is before you. This same is true for the work you do in the office or at home. We cannot achieve even the simplest goals in our lives alone and without the help of others. So if we pause at work or at home with a meal or just in the evening and acknowledge how we depend upon each other for so much and you can feel the gratitude arise that living this life we need one another and we need to feel we can feel grateful for the gifts of one another that make this life possible that's fantastic um are there apps that can help my emotional and mental wellness? Yes, there are. And honestly, um, apps are terrific uh, because they're available whenever we have a moment in our busy lives. And there are some very popular ones. One is called Calm, C-A-L-M. Another is called Headspace. There's one called Insight Timer and another called 10% happier. Mm-hmm. My own preference is one called Healthy Mind. And it is also available in uh, iPhone or Android. And the reason I like Healthy Mind so much is that it's designed specifically to train this mind in resilience. And if we're talking about emotional well being, resilience. They're right there together, and the Healthy Minds program is built specifically to help us build and train our minds to be more resilient. All right, doctor, so I have my apps. I'm ready to go. I'm doing all the exercises. But, Dr. Strickler, how does the lack of sunlight affect my mental and emotional health? The lack of sunlight causes a lot of changes. When we think about our body's circadian rhythm, that's our natural response to day and light. Um, things change as the weather gets darker um, and the days get shorter. Um, and those changes that our body's internal clock goes through um, or that disruption to that internal clock with those changes causes different hormonal changes. So our hormone balance gets thrown off, um, which can affect our sleep, our mood, and other things. Um, and along with that uh, hormone change, we can start to feel symptoms of depression when those weather um, changes or the days get shorter. How can I reset my circadian rhythm and what hormone regulates this? So resetting your circadian rhythm has a lot to do with schedules and structure. Um, So as those days get darker and shorter, it's still important to have a consistent schedule, um, especially with falling asleep and the time that you wake up. So alarms are good friends during this time of the year. Um, So falling asleep at an appropriate time getting adequate sleep, so a normal amount of sleep during that time, um, and good quality sleep is important as well. And then having a consistent time that you wake up every day can help reset that circadian rhythm. When we talk about hormones that help with this, uh, melatonin is a common one that we've all heard of. And melatonin is that hormone that helps our brains feel sleepy and tells us when it's time to fall asleep. Interestingly, um, during the winter months or shorter days, Um, actually our bodies start to make more melatonin because it's darker for longer. Um, And that's sometimes what makes people feel more sleepy 
um, or have less energy during these uh, darker times of the year. Yeah, so you're saying melatonin helps you sleep and get back into rhythm, but do melatonin supplements help? And when should I take it to get the best sleep? So melatonin supplements can be helpful to help people fall asleep. Um, they don't work that great to help people stay asleep, but if falling asleep is your issue, they can definitely be helpful. Um, they come in all different forms. Um, and one thing to remember with uh, melatonin supplements is that they are dietary supplements, so they're not quite as regulated as over-the-counter and prescription drug medications. Um, so just being careful when you're starting any supplement and checking with your doctor. The dosage of melatonin that's effective ranges from 1 to 10 milligrams um, for adults. They recommend starting at the lower dose of that range um, and seeing how you respond to melatonin. And the time to take the melatonin is about 1 to 2 hours before you want to fall asleep. So if your bedtime's 10 o'clock, try taking melatonin around 8 or 9 p.m. Is there anything I should be aware of when taking melatonin? Are there concerns for interactions with other medications or supplements I may be taking or sleepiness in the morning? So concerns with melatonin um, would be just being careful if you are prescribed any medications or if you take any supplements that could potentially make you sleepy. Um, so again, always checking with your doctor if you're on any prescription medications for any potential interactions between any supplements that you plan on starting and any medications, whether they're prescribed or over-the-counter that you're already taking. Common side effects reported with melatonin are things like headache, dizziness, feeling nauseous sometimes, and feeling tired or sleepy because of it. Uh, doctor, short of just flying around the globe, staying ahead of the sun, is it possible to avoid seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression? So there are things that you can do to help prevent those winter blues or seasonal depression. Uh, things like staying active and exercising, sticking with a good routine like I had mentioned, so a good sleep schedule or sleep hygiene, um, eating healthy, balanced diets. Um, those can be helpful. There are some medications that are approved for prevention of seasonal depression in patients who have a history of seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression. So that, those medications, someone would start um, before their symptoms start in the fall or winter and continue it during that dark season. Um, and they stop the medication in the spring when the days get lighter again. Um, but those are all um, things that could potentially prevent the symptoms of seasonal depression. Is it true that low vitamin D levels may contribute to me feeling sad, tired, and unmotivated? Yes, definitely. So some symptoms of low vitamin D or vitamin D deficiency can be mood changes and fatigue. All right, enough about Steph. I want to know if vitamin D deficiency may be linked to my risk of seasonal depression. And, and by the way, what are the symptoms of vitamin D deficiency? Should I get my levels checked? So symptoms of vitamin D deficiency can include bone pain, muscle weakness, muscle cramps. Like we had mentioned, mood changes or fatigue are some of the common symptoms of vitamin D deficiency. Things that can increase your risk of vitamin D deficiency um, can be increased vitamin D absorption or exposure. So less sunlight can lead to um, lower levels of vitamin D because our body makes it naturally. Um, and as far as when you should get your levels checked, if you're having any of these symptoms or you're concerned that your vitamin D level might be low because of risk factors that you have, that's a good time to reach out to your doctor and talk to them about whether 
you should have blood work to see if your levels are normal. Now, it seems like a lot of people take a vitamin D supplement these days. Should everyone be taking a vitamin D supplement in the winter or year round? And if so, what should I look for in a vitamin D supplement? In general, I wouldn't say that everyone should be taking a vitamin D supplement. Um, As long as you're getting enough vitamin D through your diet, um, then you should be vitamin D uh, sufficient to say. But if you have risk factors, Um, that could cause vitamin D deficiency, such as um, gastrointestinal disorders where you don't absorb enough of the vitamin D, or if you're someone who doesn't spend a lot of time outside and you don't get exposure to the sunlight that our body uses to make vitamin D, then you may be deficient in vitamin D. Um, As far as vitamin D supplements go, um, the recommended dose depends on how old you are. Um, So for babies, specifically breastfed babies, there's not a lot of vitamin D in breast milk. So it is recommended that they take a supplement during their first year of life. Um, And then for healthy kids and adults, um, the recommended dietary allowance for vitamin D is about 600 international units. And then it goes up a little bit as you get older, um, over the age of 70 to 800 international units. There are lots of different forms of vitamin D. Vitamin D3 is the most easily absorbed uh, form of the vitamin that's available over the counter. Uh, Dr. Strickler, I don't know about you, but in the summertime, sure, I'm out in the sun. I like being out in the sun. It's all good. Wintertime, eh, not so much. It's cold. I don't want to be out there. Uh, Do you recommend light therapy as another way to beat seasonal depression? So light therapy is recommended as one of the first-line treatments to help with symptoms of seasonal depression. Um, It's a special bright white fluorescent light that has this protective plastic cover over it to block the UV light. And it's about 25 times brighter than just the regular light that we have inside. The way that the light works is it resets that circadian rhythm that we talked about to help restore that normal hormonal balance that we have that gets thrown off during these darker, shorter days. Um, As far as recommendations for light therapy, there's a specific strength of light that's recommended. That's called uh, 10,000 lux is the strength of the light. When you use the light, you're supposed to use it for about 20 to 60 minutes every morning. Not recommended to sit directly in front of the light and stare at it, but it should be placed within close distance. So about two to three feet away from you. And then you can go about just things that you would be doing, whether it's eating breakfast, catching up on emails, doing some work, um, and having that light in that vicinity um, for that 20 to 60 minutes. This time of year, it definitely has its challenges. Uh, Stress eating, weight gain, they can contribute to the winter blues. How can I manage my stress levels better instead of, uh, oh, I don't know, eating an entire bag of chips or a pack of cookies, which I've been known to do. And what should I do if I notice the numbers on the scale going up? There are lots of ways to manage stress. I think exercise is a really great way to help manage stress um, in a healthy way. So finding an activity um, or getting back into a regular exercise program can be a really um, beneficial way to manage uh, stress levels. Um, Another thing that can be really helpful is meditation or mindfulness. So just learning how to channel that stress and kind of reset um, and think about what we're actually feeling. Uh, Ways to avoid stress eating. So sometimes it's unavoidable and it does happen to the best of us. Um, But just remember that one 
episode of Stress Eating is not going to completely derail you, but just acknowledge that episode that happened. Maybe do something healthier that day if you have time, like go on a walk. And then the next day, just start fresh. So try to do some of those other um, activities to better manage your stress and then just move forward. So making healthier choices, moving on from that. Um, and just knowing that once in a while, it's okay to indulge, but in moderation and then trying to just get back on track after that. Wow. I, I know if I see the numbers on my scale going up, I just don't get on the scale anymore. <laughs> but listen, when it's time to get professional help, when will I know? When do I, what do I, what are the signs that I know it's time for me to get seasonal depression help and what treatment options are available? So the time to get help is when you you yourself notice that the symptoms are affecting either how you feel um, on a regular basis or how you think on a regular basis. If your symptoms are starting to affect your quality of life, so you're not able to enjoy activities that you used to enjoy, you're feeling tired all of the time, um, you notice that you just can't get out of bed, your appetite's changed. Sometimes you find that symptoms are affecting your relationships with other people, whether it's yourself or your kids, um, or if it starts to affect your um, your your work life too, so your uh, performance at work. Um, if you find that any of these things are happening, that's a great time to reach out to your doctor um, and just talk about what's been going on so that they can give you advice about whether they think you need a higher level of treatment or maybe some of those other things that we had talked about. There are lots of medications out there to help people with depression symptoms. There are some that are approved specifically for seasonal depression, um, but there's a whole variety of options um, and lots of things available to help beat these depression symptoms and get people feeling better. We've learned so much today. What would you say is the most important advice you would like our listeners to take with them today? I think the most important thing for listeners to remember is that depression is really common. So just knowing that you're not alone um, and just knowing that it's something that you should talk about. So if you're feeling down, depressed, or if you're just not feeling like yourself, reach out to family, reach out to friends, or talk to your provider um, about how you've been feeling so that you can start feeling better sooner. Dr. Wiley, Dr. Strickler, thank you so much for joining us today. To learn more about mindfulness classes offered at LVHN, visit www.lvhn.org mindfulness. And remember, be safe, be smart, and be the healthiest you.